Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Vanessa Carlton, Pretty Baby. eviscerated this last time i'm already pretty sick of vanessa carlton and she's just shown up i know she has at least one more good song in her discography but we talked about how this album was like specifically marketing crafted blah 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 and this one really this reeks of early taylor swift to me i got vibes of that from this song yeah um okay it's really it's a bad song it's an irritating song it's cloying. She kind of, cause of that way that she's a little bit whiny. And she also kind of does the angry into baby voice thing, the way Jewel and Shakira, it's not quite, but it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> and I think she kind of does half of this song like that. Well, yeah, cause it does that weird minor key change at the end and she gets like really like dark and mad. And then the video goes from her being like sad about a breakup to her having her boyfriend tied up in her bedroom. Um, and it's actually, uh, this is a re-record for the radio. Okay. That is not on the album. Um, but uh, not to be like, but she really kind of like, pretty baby, don't you leave me. Like it's, yeah. she kind of, uh, if you got, uh, far enough in community, there is an episode where, um, Annie sings, teach me how to Christmas. Okay. It, the whole song is about how she's a big dumb baby and how she need and she's Jewish so she doesn't understand Christmas and she needs big strong Jeff to teach her about Christmas and she kind of <laughs> okay. and she sort of ends the song with um boopy doopy doop doop sex <laughs> because the whole thing is about how she's like you know doing um either I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus or Santa baby Santa baby any yeah. song where the people are dumb and slutty uh, for the sake of the song that the Santa Baby's are. definitely got that weird baby voice throughout. Yeah, I kind of think, without meaning to, a lot of her music, Vanessa Carlton's music, has that. Mm, okay. Um, I, I, but I do need to step back in and say, you know, I know I eviscerated Be Not Nobody last episode, but, um, four or five songs really stand out as amazing on it. I also really love White Houses. Yeah, I, I really like that song of hers. I think it's her best one, but, uh, you know. We talked about how everyone knows the riff to uh, a thousand miles. Yeah, and she's got songs. And I even think some people, um, you know, uh, like Nolita Fairy Tale, which uh, is a single from a later album. Mm. Um, so she's popular. She's got some stuff, but I don't think her early music has aged with quite the same grace. Nope. It's a uh, it's a pretty forgettable song. She's going to be here a while, though, man. There, there's a lot of singles off this album for some reason. Well, for a very obvious reason, because A Thousand Miles was a fucking smash. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, that is like the thong song. It's one of those songs that destroys the rest of your career in a lot of ways, because then you're the that person. Um, I love Sophie B. I love two or three songs by Sophie B. Hawkins. I don't, I'm not some great big Sophie B. Hawkins fan, but um, she had... Damn, I wish I was your lover off her first record. I don't know what else was a single Great perfect song. song, you know? And then she had As I Lay Me off of Whaler, 
which I loved. Best use of shucks in a song ever, I think. Shucks! For me, there is... Because there's no songs that are uh, really sexy about clams and oysters. So... <laughs> exactly. Um, she has uh, As I Lay Me. It's one of those songs that sticks with you. But that song was in the top 100 for two years. Sorry, top 200 for two years. That wow. song was literally one of the most played songs ever on the radio. It was such a popular song on so many different formats. And um, it ultimately made it very difficult for her to release a follow-up single of any kind. Uh, she did ultimately release Only Love, which, you know, wasn't a hit for a thousand reasons. But it couldn't have helped that it was in many ways still competing with its own, you know... Especially because things like Light FM seem to get these songs so late. So by the time these yeah. artists and these songs are being brought to mom's attention, exactly, you know, daughter is already three songs later, and mom is like, no, no, wait, I just get this party started, right, girls? <laughs> and you know, the daughter is like, no, mom, get out, you're ruining it. Well, that's fine as long as you're drinking at home. I'd rather know what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's totally that. It's 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 minivan up in this piece. Yep. And let's actually talk about that because we're about to dip into some music that has not really been represented on the nows until maybe an album or so ago. You were saying in the green room that you think that this is a big turning point now for a couple of reasons. And I agreed. You're seeing like the dissolution of bands into their individual parts. Um, but what is it that you were saying about the composition, which is something we've talked about a lot on this show of the now? Uh, it used to seem like you were given like, groups of songs and it would be like this is the fun r&b song that uh fun r&b song section and it would be two or three songs of r&b and then it would be four songs of pop and then it would be two or three slower songs and with like one r&b like you know jam in there and then it would be four pop songs and then it would be like three rock songs but it, it would all be very focused in the same kind of way it would always be the same kind of people doing the same kind of stuff and it seemed very much like the concern was Getting this into white minivans, making the kids happy, keeping mom happy, and keeping dad happy. Yep. But never stop cranking out some a way for them to buy large amounts of singles at one point. Just keep pushing it out. Keep par- like yeah, uh, and publish or perish. And f- there was a lot of really garbagey filler. There was a lot of stuff on oh, those yeah. where like we were like, there's literally no charting information, so this could not have been a hit. But now, this now in a weird way, is representative of the names at the time, not necessarily what was the most popular. Like Amanda Perez, huge name. <laughs> what, like Jay-Z and Beyonce. P. Diddy with B2K, because you got to get P. Diddy on there. J-Lo. Right. Jagged Edge is a bigger name than Nivea, I would say, but even then, you know, LL Cool J, who's just fucking famous. Nelly. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Nas, Pharrell. Charlie Wilson, JC and Timberlake, uh, JC and Timberlake, listen yep. to me being like a broken old man, <laughs> JC and Justin, you know, it's, it's, this was about getting names on there. And then even then, like Drew Hill being on there, Drew Hill actually had, um, a song on the same Rush Hour soundtrack that had Can I Get Up by Jay-Z and Ja Rule back when people thought Ja Rule could hang with Jay-Z. Um, yeah. but this time, like when I'm looking at these tracks, I'm like, no, no, this is just a lineup of names. This is just getting it in the minivan. This is not about keeping these people happy. This is all of a sudden these people realize like black people had minivans and, and people who kind of like easy listening sort of have minivans. We had motherfucking Celine Dion two episodes. 
the yeah, gal. Like, but and even then, the, like you can have some Celine Dion on here with these tracks, but right. This is much less focused on three or four sounds for five songs at a time. This is this is specifically programming the disc for popularity, not for cohesion in a really interesting way. This is about that everyone in the minivan has one song that they love. And the other, yeah, exactly. the other nineteen are fine. They're trying to emulate the feel of radio, yes, almost. But they're trying to emulate a feel of a radio that without doesn't exist. having to switch the dial. I don't think this radio station ever existed. I no, exactly. I think the thing is, if you cut any five of them, like you could make it fit one station or another. If you cut the hip hoppier stuff and the heaviest rock, you could probably get on PLJ. You could leave in some of the hip hop. You could leave in some of the rock, but you have to get the country out for Z100. You could, like, I mean, you could shuffle this or you could take out all the rock and you could have a couple of dance mixes and you could be on, uh, KTU. Like, you could make this happen. It's just, it's not about what it was about anymore. Uh, but because in a lot of ways, the buying market had shifted at this point. If we're in 2003, we are dangerously close to the ipod yes we are dangerously close to itunes and amazon music and google play music and uh napster trying to be legit and people can download individual tracks off of limewire casa right now uh it's annoying but it's doable i'm gonna blow your mind do you know what the first single ever digitally available before being made publicly available for physical sale was Ooh, um interesting question I do not. Oriamos has caught a light sneeze. How did I not know that? So, you know, that was 1996. Wow. This is 2003. Yeah. So I've already been downloading music for three, four years. I've At 20 minutes a track, probably. Well, 96 even worse. But at this time, I know it was taking like 20 minutes to download a three-minute song. No, not even. Because I was on cable in my senior... No, in my I was on cable in like sophomore year. So like by 2003, I'm downloading... I'm downloading songs in a minute. And I'm getting... Oh, wow. No. I'm getting... I'm not there for a while. Oh, I'm getting dozens of albums at lightning speed. And I'm getting to experience every song in everybody's library, and I'm getting my hands on all of it at, like, record time. you got to have a lot of songs that you can use lyrics for in your uh, in your AOL instant message or away message. Yeah. But yeah, so, like, let's kind of dive into one of the songs that is really the most indicative of both a changing tide in popular music and changing composition of the Now series – Keith Urban's Somebody Like You, Welcome to the Program, Pop Country. It's not going away anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I, I even recognize I'm in the minority here. I kind of avoid country music in all of its many forms. Uh, it's nothing even against country music, but it's just like not a sound I appreciate. I think there's three main places for it. It's like backyard barbecues where like there are grown adults that are unironically playing beer pong, fucking MAGA rallies, and like wedding dance songs. Like I'm shocked how many pop country songs are specifically targeted to be like either first dance songs or daddy daughter dance songs. Or this just feels like this is what the bride and groom would walk into the wedding 
while it's playing, specifically bride and groom, because I feel like Keith Urban is not getting a lot of play at gay, uh, gay weddings, but what do I know? Yeah, so here's what I'm going to say. I actually, I don't want to be reductive of country music or its audience. I, I don't care for it. I find it super annoying, but I'm going to defend that it is the more predominantly purchased type of music in the country. And it, I, I, I think a lot of it sounds very similar. So I don't maybe understand the love for it, but I think a lot of people think a lot of stuff I love sounds all the same. And sure. I, I don't get how the minor dilution of country music with like pop beats was enough to make it like an, like actually take hold in pop music. But I wish it hadn't. I think the more you homogenize, the, the less, the less important genre becomes. And I think genre is important because I think genre supports unique listeners. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of everything all starting to sound the same. But I'm happy for country making it here. I think I'm a little closer to this genre than you are, and I'm going to have a little bit more insight going forward, kind of where you picked up from that 90s r and B. I'm going to tag in on this, because my mother fucking loves, specifically Keith Urban, but pop country in, uh, pop country in general. You mean my mother fucking loves, not my mother fucking something. Oh, no, yeah, my, my, okay. the, the, the person who gave birth to me loves Keith Urban. Um, so I've heard the song. I've heard some Keith Urban songs. I've heard a lot of pop country. Gun in my mouth. This is way better than a lot of it. Like if I had to pick a song, uh, like it, this is up there of ones I would be forced to listen to. There's a real authenticity problem in that genre because they are so heavily targeted. See our episode where we talk about why people say they like everything but rap and country. We kind of dip into this a little bit. Keith Urban at this point. And maybe it's just because I know where he is now. It feels like there is some authenticity here. And I also do know that he's a really good musician. Um, he comes from a background of like being a, like a heavy guitar player in heavier bands. He can shred. He also did a shitload of coke. Um, and this is kind of his like getting clean, finding Jesus years, making softer mom country. Um, so I feel like there is some genuineness to him at this point. Probably less so now that he's Mrs. Or that he's Mr. Nicole Kidman and extremely, you know, rich and the name in pop in pop country, pretty much. But this song feels more real than a lot of what we're hearing now from this genre, and I was able to appreciate that. Yeah, um, I just don't have anything to add because I, I honestly have no relationship with this kind of music. Um, I don't connect with it at all. So we're gonna get to see you build a relationship over the course of this out al- of these uh, next few albums, which is exciting. We're gonna go away from pop country which we don't really know anything about to new metal which i just can't stand with chevelle's the red yeah it's pretty awful yeah you know this kind of it's not quite fart rock but it's it's so clean. Like, it's like these kids who were just like too big of soft boys to be in the hardcore scene, but like were too self-serious for metal. So they made this really clean sounding. Why? Yeah, it, it, it makes screaming safe for people who have never heard screaming in a song before. Thanks a lot, Linkin Park. The red, it filters through. At the same time, kind of like with Keith Urban, I know what's coming. And this is 
like way preferable to some other stuff we're going to have in a few episodes. So uh, here we go, I guess. Hide your kids, hide your wife, because they're making everybody listen to bad crap. It's like I, music that is this uh, music that tries to be this heavy should not have as pretty harmonies throughout. Like, like you shouldn't have harmonies. Like, like it's, that's the thing about new metal. It's, it, it's just like, it's such a sterile version of what a million genres have done better already. I mean, I honestly disagree with that. I do think, uh, there's nothing wrong with op- operatic metal. I think, I think the problem is they do it too pretty. You can, you can have crazy layered harmony, but it's, it's that the harmony here is like, Down, it's real. It's like, so glowy and happy and light and sweet. And that's just, that's not what the song is trying to be. It's also the fact that it's like, you know, a standard four chord progression at some points. The yeah. Dun, dun, dun. It's just like, it's so happy. I, I have no problem with emotionally positive, high energy metal. Um, but it, it's really boring to me when metal sounds phoned in and i think that's the bigger problem here it's it's that this guy is just like and you're like oh okay yeah these guys recorded an album with steve albini in like 1998 like what how the fuck did that happen how how did someone that steve albini produce come to sound this sterile and boring i mean the guy put out one of the most interesting sounding albums ever and 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 Chevelle couldn't get like this was not the album. This is way too clean for Steve Albini. But like, if you learned nothing from that guy, like you don't deserve to make music. Well, I mean, also let's once again just say you can be as metal as you want. But if you're on a major label, you're doing what they say. This is true. But um, I listened to parts of that Albini album, and it, it sounds just like this, but shittier quality. They've always been very clean sounding. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yep, who cares? Uh, speaking of who cares, saliva, always. The guy from saliva looks like he's someone who performs street magic in Las Vegas. And now I'm going to make my music career disappear. <laughs> you know, when saliva fails, he could definitely be a, uh, a mind freak or whatever. The song is not great. It's not as tryhard as Red is. It's it's more of like a Nickelback than it is a new metal. Yeah, um, it's just super generic. Yeah, it is super generic. This is a song that I knew that I love you, I hate you thing. Like this is actually a pretty popular song from what I remember, but I didn't know this band sung it and I didn't know any of the rest of it. It's figured it was bad, it is in fact all bad. Yes. This band will um stake their claim by making a shitload of WWF entrance themes, which seems extremely fitting. Do they really? Yeah. I mean, I know nothing. Yeah, that's what Wiki Wiki Wikipedia says. So. Good for them. I didn't know who this guy was. Last episode, we saw him with Nickelback doing the Spider-Man song. Figured just by proximity he must suck. Turns out he, in fact, does suck. Um, speaking of suck, again, the trifecta. Three doors down when I'm gone. Who cares? Only when I'm 
here. Love me when I'm wrong. Love me when I'm scared. Love me when I'm gone. This song was extremely popular. It charted really well, and probably because they attached this song to, like, veterans returning home in what I would think was a cynical cash grab, except for the fact that these guys are indeed MAGA chuds, so... Yeah, it sucks, because their music's not bad. I think it's really... it's This song isn't very good, but... It's as forgettable as anything Saliva does. Yeah, okay. Yep, cool. Um, so that was the ass end of Now Volume 12, and that brings it to an end. Uh, Nico, do you have any... Any regrets about being on this one? Where does it fall in what you've been on so far? Uh, this one was just easily the most forgettable. Um, yeah. It it just... It all started to become... It's better in theory. Yeah. Like when you see the names and what's happening in music, and then this is just... Ugh. It all just sort of starts to sound like one big ugly thing, too, is part of it. And I hate to say one big ugly thing, kind of so cavalier, but um, yeah, it really... Please don't refer to Saliva Man that way. It's not very nice. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. It, it's just, it's unfortunate because I don't really think um, this is truly representative of what pop music was. And I think that's a thing. I think, like I said, this yeah. just represented the big names. And even then, it's not even entirely representing them, as we will see on the emissions. Yeah. Should we jump right into that? Let's do it, bro. It's the Yeah Yeah Yeahs with maps. Man, this song is so good. Oh, no, this is a great song, but this song would never be on an L. Let's, you know, I, I love this song. I don't know, this... I do, I love this song, but... We've talked a lot about how bands get that one song that doesn't sound like the rest of their stuff on a now, and you're like, how the fuck is this on a now? Yeah, and I mean, I do get it. And, like, I'm not even arguing, arguing with you, but, like, yeah, I think, and I hate that I sound so naysay but, like, I do think you're maybe stretching a little. I love this song, but the idea that this song could ever be on a now is, like, foreign to me. I don't think that's true at all. I, I don't know, just for me. For me, I just, I feel like, yeah, I feel bad that I'm even like, now, but like, I am a little bit like, now. Well, about it being on a now or about the song in general? About it being on a now. I think it's an incredible song. Well, that's fine. Let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about the song. Um, extremely memorable drum kind of progression. I don't know we call that drum beat. That's what I'm looking for. Um, with the toms in the beginning and throughout. Very simple guitar riff, and that's what the AA does. does. Uh, and Karano's extremely um, emotive voice. Yeah, and... Even emotive in the low parts, and not just the high parts, which is really impressive. Yeah, and I, 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 I love the song. I think the song is amazing. Um, I think she sings the hell out of it. I think it's really beautiful, too. Uh, I have no real complaint about this song, is the thing. I don't, I don't want that being... The mistake being walking away from being, you know, I don't want anybody to walk away with that from this, but, um, I, I think there's something that goes into being a now song. There's something, uh, I don't want to say like forgettable that maybe goes with 
Uh, not for unforgettable. Like something, yeah, something unforgettable that goes with being a now song. And I really love this song, but I don't know that I would call this particular song unforgettable. Uh, I think a lot of people forget this song exists. And I think those are the songs on the nows that we praise, the ones where you don't forget they exist. Well, yeah, we've used forgettable as a pejorative for songs on this now like six times already. I think for many people, and I love this song, but I think for many listeners, that would be the relationship with this song, forgettable. Well, omissions don't necessarily have to be stuff that could have been on a now. Um, like, it, I've certainly used the space for songs that we would just talk about in general, um, like culturally important songs, changing moments in music. We did... um kelly clarkson's a moment like this a couple of episodes back just because we wanted to kind of segue into american idol right uh well the, the yeah yes i wanted to just give them kind of a shout out here because now and again does talk about our own nostalgia and what times in music meant to us and this album coming out and uh rilo kiley's execution of all things were two of the albums that made me realize that there was good music out there that was a not on the radio and that was B, not just, like, the shitty pop punk and ska that I was listening to. Like, I had really bad taste in music for a couple of years. Um, and these are one of the two artists that really... And I guess the internet coming up parallel and how we were kind of talking about being able to download your own music. I think both of those things um, happening in concert really expanded what I was listening to. and the And definitely the quality of what I was listening to as well right around this time. Yeah, I get that. There's always that album that does it for you, you know what I mean? That record that changes everything. And all of a sudden you're into a new genre of music. And like it's super cool that uh, this was a record that did that for you. Because I do think it's a super great record. It is. It is telling. I, mean, kind of, I kind of alluded to this when we were talking about if it could ever be on a now. This is not a representative yeah, yeah, yeah song. At all, yeah. Really, very little is because they change their sound so frequently. Like, if it wasn't for Karino's voice, you wouldn't think that heads will roll is from the same band as y control fair enough that's a super fair point i get that uh yeah 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 christina aguilera dirty featuring Redman. this had to be on there because we've talked about this song so much, I feel like we've built up to this moment where we finally get some more Christina and a very different Christina. I, I also think that this omission uh, is clearly an act of a record label thing. Okay. I don't think if if Now was trying to be like, what are the big songs? I don't think they would skip this on purpose. I don't think anybody sat in the room and said, well, this one's forgettable. Yeah, and again, that comes with, you know, what you consider emissions. Um, this, again, this is an example of, A, huge at the time, we all knew this song, um, and kind of the culmination Culturally of something relevant. we've been talking about for a long time as well, is that this is Christina Aguilera's second album, and we've gone through three Britneys already? Yeah. Because of just the weird course her career took with the different volumes and re-releases of the first album and Christmas stuff, and now she's coming out and it's like... It's such a massive shift from the persona she was before. It's um, it's jarring to me. Uh, I think she'd actually been making the case for this new persona for quite a while. Um, it had been slowly creeping in the D. Snyder era, mm. uh, the the look she did for Moulin Rouge, 
I think she made it very clear. She was she was ready, you know? And like it's like we've said, her career did take a weird a weird um a weird path. And I think that weird path had to do with the fact that she was the more talented one um reasonably speaking. So I think there was more expectation on her, at least that's how she felt. Do you know in the Nickopedia somewhere when recording for this album, and sub-question, is this the same album as Beautiful? That's funny. Um, two, do you know how long this album has kind of been in the works? Is this a response to the direction that Britney was taking? Is this no. something she'd been wanting to do for a while, but the time just didn't work out because of the length between albums? It also had to do with uh, she started work with a producer and it all fell apart. Uh, they didn't have a good working relationship, so she, um, she had to, you know, start over from scratch, and there's, like, a diss track on, on, I think, this album, Fuss, it's Fuck You, Scott Storch. Yeah, Fuck You, Scott Storch. That's, yeah, she, um, she had a really hard time getting this record out there and getting, like, I don't want to say the label to believe in her exactly, but kind of that, kind of getting the label to, uh take her seriously as more than just the girl who could sing and you know you never want to be insensitive um right because like you never want to be like you know it's so horrible to be the girl that can sing but i imagine it is a little damning when what you want to be known for is being more of an all-around creator and entertainer right and you're sort of being told this is the position you're going to play uh it can't be fun but at the same time, she did go a little too far to reinvent herself in a lot of ways. Uh, and I had an argument with a friend about this for a couple of years. He swore Ooh. she never said, I went too far. Um, and that if she ever did, she would totally be like a like a dropout, fake-ass, sellout, wannabe mom rocker. And she'd regret the day she ever did that. Before the release of her next album, she said that she realizes now how many young girls look to her. For uh, guidance, for uh, affection—not affection, but you know, like uh, uh, like somewhere to go, um, right? And that she went way too far. That those young girls never should have been emulating the dirty video. But how do you say to the young women who started with you four years ago when they were seven, and for the most part, with the exception of a little bit of the raciness of Genie in a Bottle, mom could get behind it because it was also come on over. It was I turned to you. Um, but then dirty and now it's four years later. So those seven year old girls, let's just say seven are, um, 12 or, you know, 10 and 11 and 12 and they just got boobs. And this is definitely a, what are you watching music video? Yeah. And that's, that's the problem. And I don't think, you know, she has any reason to, I don't think she has any reason to feel bad. I don't think, you know, um, no, I don't think she owes any, this wouldn't feel weird coming from another artist. I don't think, I think the song is good. I think her voice elevates it, but at the same time, it's just, it's jarring from where we last saw her. You know, I, I'm even gonna, one more time, I don't necessarily know that I think it's that jarring. I think she really did say, this is what I'm doing next. I think, uh, we saw her inch this way with Moulin Rouge. And I think, um, I think the difference here, though, the thing that does make this jarring is that it's not just that she's suddenly super sexual. 
it's that suddenly mm-hmm. she is um I don't think it's the subject matter so much it is the presentation. That's interesting because I think that this sound is going to carry further into her career. I think more of her songs in the future will sound like dirty, maybe not as aggressively dancey, but I think they'll sound more like that than Genie in the Bottle. Oh, for sure, because Genie in a Bottle was um a zeitgeist and what she tried to do after that is a little bit more honest to being an artist um she tried to have a perspective and something to say but yeah to know that they omitted dirty is shocking it is and it's not like she was someone who the sophomore album was a complete failure this song was really big um beautiful off of this is going to be a song that uh, perhaps in part due to memes as like is still popular and very well known today. Oh, you know, and it is just a pretty solid song. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I, I, uh, there was a period where like right after it came out, it kind of got, you know, it, people moved on from it before they circled back. And I do think mean girls was at least somewhat part of that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No question there. Mean girls helped make it cool to find beautiful, sweet again. You know, I think I think this is a really interesting point in her career because it is the point at which people were like, "Oh, you're going to be slutty now." And you know, she, she I think even in in her saying that I went too far, I don't think she was necessarily saying that she thinks it's the worst thing she's ever done. I think she was saying that she Good, she shouldn't. Right. I think she was trying to say that she experimented sexually and didn't necessarily go too far in terms of her experimentation, just maybe in terms of the way eyes are watching her and the age of the eyes watching her. Um, but I, well, who among us hasn't really, right? I don't think she was ever saying she regrets this work. Uh, and that's kind of what I got annoyed at my friend for. You can regret the impact a work had and not regret the work. And that's an important like distinction, especially when we're talking about pop music. I don't think these artists all regret the music they made and the joy it brought. I think they regret that the music isn't representative of what they wanted to make or of their true talent level. Um, like the guy who invented Pepe. Yeah. Any what, opinion about the song itself? I, I think it's a pretty dang good song. Um, I mean, we brought it on to talk about, again, like we've built up to this song a little bit, just talking about Christina and where she's going to go. Um, what do you think of the song itself removed from all of those other things that we, if you can remove it from the other things that we know? Uh, you know, I don't think it changes it. I, I actually... I do think it's totally cool that she's saying... Like, I don't... I don't know. Um, I think I... I I approached that in a defensive way, and I didn't mean it defensively. Uh, I don't think that this... And I didn't mean it aggressively. Right. Like, I I don't think... Um, I just don't think that this is... I don't think I need to remove it from being Christina Aguilera to really talk about it. I think that it is a Christina Aguilera song. Um, stands out for me, because she is a tremendously talented artist... I do know what you mean by saying that um, in some ways it's almost out of place by her because she is such a powerful vocalist uh, and this is sort of like skanky slutty music. Uh, We almost don't expect it from her, but 
Regardless of your level of talent, your interests are your interests. And she was interested in exploring herself sexually. I don't think it's that different than, you know, a Madonna or a, um, or a Janet Jackson. But I think the problem is when you grew up on TV, it can be really difficult to get people to take that seriously because all they see you as is a child. So any perversion of that is you've become a whore. Um, you know, you're, yeah. And in, inversely, I think we've seen this, um, We've seen it before with pop artists today uh, with this inverse where, like, you've got, let's just say, I've heard it from about Lady Gaga, I've heard it about Kesha, where they have this idea, this image that people who are not as familiar with them assume, and then they put out maybe, like, a slow piano ballad, and everyone's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that, like, they could sing. Yeah, and you're just sort of like... Well, did you not realize or did you not really look? Like, because, you know, that pop music is built on assumptions about the person. There's nothing we exactly. can really do about that. That's, that's the name of the game and that's the game we're playing. I think, yeah, I think especially, especially with like the fat shaming that goes on with some of these poor artists. Um, you know, they're like, oh, well, I thought they were supposed to be a bombshell knockout, not looking that good these days. And you just want to be like, well, maybe their definition of beauty is a little different than yours. Maybe their definition of sexy is a little different than yours. Maybe where they want to go with their sound is a little different than what you're expecting. Yeah, that person can that person can go fuck themselves. Yeah. We sometimes – what we forget is that our artists are people too. And wherever they want to go with their story and their sound is wherever they want to go. And as much as we would love to like – and I hate to use this word – control where they go, you just got to hope that the next record isn't going to lose you as a fan. And – you never want it to – you never want this to be the record where you're like, yeah, I'm done with an artist I love. But I don't know that – I really don't know that Christina Aguilera did anything that wasn't in a natural, like, regular progression of her sound even. I think when you think about what a girl want, uh, what a girl wants – I'm so sorry. Um, that other one. Uh, come on over. When you talk mm. about come on over and that she – It is a song about fucking. And she added that little rap and – I think that's of note. I think she was trying to get here sooner and just couldn't by virtue of being tied down with albums. So, uh, you know, I don't mean to be hammering it home so hard where I'm like, now you're wrong now, but no, no, no. And no, no, that's, uh, I'm, I'm approaching this. I need you on this because I think it is uh, a weird, maybe not a weird, but a unique footnote in her, line of it's so unlike anything else she's ever done and we've been building up to it and i need i really need you for that context because you're so much closer to it um to not being more knowledgeable about it than i am it's almost like when you like when you watch david lynch's straight story and you see like the disney logo pop up in front of it you're like wait what the fuck it's just this weird moment in their career that sometimes needs some explanation and i think we we owed it seeing as we brought brought it up on episode one we owed it to this song to dive into it a little bit yeah and you know one of the things we're talking about is the cultural significance of some of these songs you know uh 15 years later pop music isn't really meant to be looked at like that most of the time pop music isn't really about what it's going to be like 15 years later for a lot of these songs a lot of these songs are churned out as quickly as possible uh mass market a hit and get the fuck out of there and that's why they're so formulaic mm-hmm. and that's supposed to be okay it's just a, it's good to have her back honestly yeah it sure is it's good to have new music from her this is a good this is a yeah, good track it's new music not the same thing over and over again or a take on it 
And I think it's interesting you brought up the idea of how the fans believe that they should have some kind of say in an artist's career, as if, like, the artist owes them anything. And that kind of also tied into this idea that we've, you know, hypothesized and talked about with selling out on the show, like this idea that people want to hold on to that they saw Blink-182 in front of 150 people, and now they're playing in arenas and our MTV, and fuck them, they're sellouts. There is this real aspect that comes with being a public figure where people who just, maybe they don't even support you, maybe they're just aware of you, but they feel like they're owed something in return. And that's so unbelievably fucked up, and it's something that will never change. I agree. It's it's a level of entitlement. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And things like Twitter have only made it worse. Absolutely. Now you can go straight to those people. You can go straight to Ed Sheeran and get him to quit Twitter. Yeah. I just really want to get my tweet on uh, Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets, bro. So I'm going to tell Saliva Guy that he looks like he's got the the body of the Michelin Man. I'm going to say that Sofia Vergara sounds like a horse sucking a dick. And now I'm famous. I mean, it's one thing to do it with political stuff. It's another entirely, I think, to do it with pop. Yeah, I agree. I, I That probably sounds like I'm rationalizing. No, but politicians, they have an effect on the actual quality of our lives. Uh, pop music does not literally affect the quality of our life. Exactly, unless you have a podcast about it. Uh, last track... Last track for the emissions, Hillary Duff's So Yesterday. Boo, fuck this. It's on here less because of the song and more, again, cultural kind of concept. We're, we have seen, uh, you know, we've got Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears, who a lot of people forget were Disney stars, but we're going to see a lot of... We're going to see songs go to people who are from other industries. That's going to start happening a lot over the next three or four years. And I just kind of wanted to backdoor pilot that into this episode because it's okay. coming and it's coming hard. That's fair. Because uh, we are going to have stuff like Lindsay Lohan that is now canon. Uh, but we're also going to have stuff like Paris Hilton having songs. Uh, one actually surprisingly good song, in my opinion. Um, yeah, she picked really good songwriters. And even today, Kim Kardashian having a couple of songs, it's like they dabble in this thing. It's like we've got a huge following from something else. Will they buy our music? And almost all the time, the answer is no, or at least the answer is either no or yes, but no in the long term. Yes, you can get one single out of most people. Right. Ashley Simpson had her couple of songs. Hilary Duff had her couple songs. I think this is the best of them. I actually genuinely like the song, even though I'm very aware it's bad. Yeah, I kind of hate it. Yeah, I mean, there's this, this, this is not a song I'm going to defend. Um, but I think the idea of the, someone breaking into pop is not new from another field, but I think people are always constantly surprised when it happens. But, like, Disney stars, no one should ever be surprised. They're intentionally designed that way. They're carved for this purpose. Of course. I don't know. I just think this is a really weak song. I think it exclusively was a successful single because 17-year-old boys were like, oh, God, I'm going to spank it now. Um, If the light is off, then it isn't on. Isn't just a dumb... One of my favorite lyrics It's not just a dumb lyric. It's, it's, It's the way it's highlighted 
to be honest. It's the weakness of her voice. Then it isn't on. It's just not great. Honestly, it's just not great. Can we talk about dumb lyrics for a second? Um, because that is a profoundly stupid lyric. But why is it different? And again, I'm playing devil's advocate here because you know, you know where I'm coming from on, on, on Bay. Uh, but, um, not Beyonce, our other Bay. Um, why is this, does a line like, before you came into my life, I missed you so bad. Why do we still love Call Me Maybe? Well, because. And don't highlight that as like singularly stupid when it absolutely is. Well, because she didn't say, I, I actually super disagree with you. I think it's a clever lyric. She doesn't say, before you came into my life, I didn't know you. But the light is off, okay. then it isn't on, is literally a logical thought process. <laughs> that is literally <laughs> yes. saying, if my shoes are on my feet, they're not empty. Uh, it is but, something we teach kindergartners, yes. But uh before I met you, I longed and missed someone like you. I didn't even know you. But in my heart, I knew I needed you before I ever met you is a very different sentiment. I will say, however, every artist is super guilty of horrendous lyrics uh, from your favorites to your least favorites. Um, I will pick on three of my favorites because, goddamn, do I love these three women. I bring them up all the time. Mariah Carey, Tori Amos, and Janet Jackson. Um, Janet Jackson, during her really dark sexual phase and just dark quality-wise, not dark like she was like – you know, there was no like put push pins in my pussy or anything, but like it was, um, she had a song called Moist and it's You Make Me So Moist. You're dripping in it, you're swimming in it. Um, she has another song called Think About My Ex and it's like at the movies or on a shopping spree. I'm thinking about my ex. Like it's really bad. Um, and oh, that's you know, phenomenal. It's written by Babyface, so it's really bad. And, um, and I know, and I'm sorry because I never meant to hurt you, but I know that sorry doesn't mend your broken heart. And like, seriously, it is just like at this normal thing or other places. I'm thinking it's really bad. Um, now I love my Mariah Carey. I love her. I think she's amazing, but, um, she had a song recently called, um, Infinity. And you should really look up the lyrics. And I, like, I seriously mean this. Uh, I will be heartbroken if you do not uh, link this. But the lyrics are there's a music video. There's a music video with the lyrics in it, and the lyrics are like, "Why you mad? Ooh, why you mad? Could it be because you just lost the best you ever had? That's too bad. Oh, that's my bags. Show is over. You ain't gotta ask. Used to be corny like Fritos. Uh, at oh, ammo, Jesus. gotta reload. Won't get that far without me though." Uh, what is it? Close the door, lose the key, leave your heart on the mat for me. I was Please yours. Stop. No, Please. hold on. It gets... I'm tapping out. I am tapping out. Well, there's an end to infinity. Oh, oh. it's 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 really bad. Um, it's about her divorce, so you know she's allowed to feel whatever, but uh, real bad. And um, as much as I love my my precious Tori Amos, she's got this really stupid song called "Not Dying Today." And it's seriously like music, cool friends, I'm not dying today. And it's like, no, shut up. That's really embarrassing. That's like, like, that's like six Bartles and James and stoned with your friends. And you wrote that <laughs> and you shouldn't have bragged. You shouldn't have shared that with anyone. Every artist has bad lyrics. Your favorite artist oh, has yeah, some terrible it's, shit. It's, it's guaranteed. They can't all be winners. But the problem is 
the problem is when you don't have any strong lyric to to kind of balance it. Right. You know, it's it's that we expect nothing of Hillary Duff, and she still managed to blow our minds with how low she could go. Would you be interested in a? I've pitched this before as an EP. Um, maybe this will make it into the episode as a preview. Maybe it won't. Um, so an idea for the EP episodes I've had is called like a playlist where someone makes like five or six songs, um, and it all connects in some way. Like it has a theme or whatever. Um, I was thinking about doing an episode where we just look at songs from these kind of artists, you know, the Hillary Duff, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Kim Kardashian, um, Tiffany Trump. Yeah. Okay. And do like a very brief discussion on that. Do you think that'd be a good episode? I do. I would also love to see an episode of songs from people who should have known better. Um, like we could do Email My Heart by Britney Spears. Let's Go Bang by Jennifer. I think I feel I, I still don't believe that songs. She shouldn't have known any better. That was pretty bottom of the barrel. Um, so, yeah, maybe I think in the future there might be an EP episode on these kind of songs coming out because I would love to stump for that one Paris Hilton song and also really want to uh, have an excuse to go back and listen to that Tiffany Trump song that got leaked because that is just mm, that's me kissing my fingers like an Italian chef. Uh uh, hey, Nico, thanks for being on the episode. Thanks for being here on a more regular basis. And thanks for taking a whole lot of time on this very hot, sweaty day. Um, I have to shower after this episode because I can't have the air on. We're, we're basically athletes. Yeah. I, uh, do, you, do you realize that? Uh, as a dude who like lives at the gym and spends way too much time at the gym, I am just as sweaty as leg day right now. And that's crazy. Where can people find you? You can check out my uh, super fun, throwbacky, poppy, R&B-Z music with my buddy Adam at uh, facebook.com slash action duo or action duo on Google Play, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, etc. And you can check out my super cool, awesome comic book, Riot Squad featuring Kid Riot about a guy who gets his idols out of retirement and uh, the team reassembles and saves the day over at kidriotcomics.com or um, thedemonhotel.com, either one. Cool. And I am Chris Podcasts. I am at all of the places on cageclub.me where you could possibly find me. Now and again, cast at gmail.com if you have questions or just want to argue with us. Yeah, I'm always up for a good fight. Oh, yeah. Please write into the mailbag. Have a great time answering those. And uh, until next time, we will catch you on the flip side. Every day is so wonderful, then suddenly.